0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of the Habit Shift podcast, 10 double digits. Here we are, a little bit of a milestone. Unfortunately, it's just the three of us. Sandy couldn't make it today (laughs) for reasons, um, which is a shame that she misses such a milestone of a podcast. However, Mm -hmm. we want to remain super consistent with these. Uh, We thought we would complete the hat trick. We have talked about protein, we've talked about carbohydrates, so we thought we would discuss nutritional fat a little bit, um, dive a little bit into the topic, um, dispel some myths, and kind of give people a little bit more clarity about fat, why it's good, and all of the things that maybe they should be considering in regards to it. So who wants to kick off and tell us a little bit some basic facts about nutritional fat. Sarah, Jeff, we done one. We did protein and carbohydrates. So I guess Sarah Sandy's not here. Um, oh, great. Yeah. So it's yeah. all done to me. That's <laughs> yeah. why, that's why she, she's well, not here. I
1: guess the first thing about fat is that it is actually essential and we can't survive without it. We have to have it. Um, it's really responsible for a lot of things within our body um it helps our immunity it protects our organs um it actually supports a lot of our intake of nutrients so fat soluble vitamins we wouldn't be able to um take those on board without fat um and i think you know the good thing about talking about this is the fact that it's fat is like it has such a lot of press doesn't it it's either you know, everything's high fat, fat the way to go, or it's the opposite and it's low fat and fat's the enemy. As we probably, you'll probably realise when we talk about these topics, there's always a middle ground, but the media and, and the world kind of get obsessed with extremes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anything to add
0: there, Jeff or Raya? No,
2: I thought that was a great summary of uh, kind of the practical things that, that fat, uh, is useful for. I mean, there's certainly all kinds of <laughs> science stuff that, that we could go deeper into, but, uh, for, for really the average person. And that's, that's, we need to know what it's for, what it does and why it's important. And, uh, and all those things are, are really good and important. I think that they, the whole middle ground thing that you said was really important for us to keep in mind. And, and that's probably a lot of what we'll be talking about throughout this. Is is that you know, taking it to one extreme where it's like eat all the fat, and then the other extreme, which is oh, fat's horrible. I, I remember back in the '80s when I was uh, doing, I was heavy into rock climbing and starting to think more about my my health, and so I was I was trying to eat as healthy as possible. Of course, there was no internet then. So you couldn't really Google anything, which probably, probably just as well. Um, All I knew was at the time, low fat was, was quote, healthy. And I was trying to stay lean. And so I misunderstood what what fat was. And so I tried to eat as low a a fat diet as I possibly could. Um, I'd write down my little I I'd, I'd track all my uh, my fat grams and my calories, which was funny because I didn't really do anything with the information. I just tried to make it as low as possible. <laughs> it was just kind of a, uh, a silly thing, but um, kind of rambling off onto a, a whole different topic there. But I, I do remember that was, I was in that extreme mindset of, of eat as little fat as possible, not knowing that that was probably not the best idea.
1: That's the thing, isn't it? Like back then it was all low fat, but what people didn't realize is that it upped the sugar, didn't it as well? Everything was low fat, but it's high sugar, but people didn't actually really talk about that part of it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely did eat a lot of sugar.
0: Yeah, I think as well, people uh, with nutritional fat, it is the uh, the most calorific uh, mac- of the four macronutrients we have. Uh, protein which is uh, four calories per gram carbohydrate which is four calories per gram we have alcohol which we haven't discussed which is seven calories per gram Um, and then we have fat which is nine calories per gram so it is the most uh, caloric dense macronutrient so I guess when people cut out a lot of nutritional fat and if they do lose weight they realize that they are um, taking out a huge amount of calories from their diet and and fat gives things its flavor, its texture, um, quite often its shelf life and more processed foods as well. Um, it, You know, the combination, we spoke last week of carbohydrates, fat, salt, sugar, all of these things give food, especially those hyperpalatable ones, that kind of hedonic kickback, that dopamine, they're the foods that we want to eat, we struggle to put down. Um, so it's not necessarily fat bad carbs bad all of that sort of stuff it's about the the big picture and landscape of an individual's diet we need to consider
1: that's the thing though isn't it as well is that a bit like carbs you know people lump it into one category and not all fat is created equal you know you've got saturated fat which you know we know from research isn't great for us in huge amounts we've got your unsaturated fat which actually can be really healthy for us and then we've got things like the trans fats which we want to avoid at all costs but people just say fat and they don't they lump it all together so if they're on a low fat diet then they'd be missing out on all the good things that you know the poly and monounsaturated fats are going to give us and if they're on a high fat diet like you know some of the kind of keto type things they might be eating absolutely loads of animal saturated fats, which aren't so good for us. And I think um, coconut oils could be quite a good one here because a few years back, like people were practically drowning themselves in coconut <laughs> oil because it was supposedly super healthy, but actually I think it's about 80% saturated fat. So, you know, you, people were adding it to coffee. They were just, you know, literally, you know, having it with everything. and that's not going to be good for you. But because it was, you know, it had its little health halo, then people did it without really understanding.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's that, that it kind of goes back to that extreme thing. I think that happens so much with our, uh, within our diets is and, um, and well, and also, you know, an, an important thing with, with the fat concept is what, what it brings to mind when we, when we hear the word fat, because, you know, we hear fat from the diet and we often equate that with fat, um, on our body, which of course the, the diet industry has has, um, kind of ingrained in our minds that it's bad to have fat on your body. So we sort of hear oh fat on my body. Oh, I'm eating fat. Well, maybe I shouldn't eat as much fat and that will help the fat leave my body too. So, um, What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think over the years, there's been so many kind of like kickbacks to either nutritional fat or carbohydrates and they seem to jostle between the two. And I think as we know that the middle ground is probably the best ground to be in. It's just these often diet cults kind of, I don't know, form together and formulate this narrative where one is worse than the other. Um, And as you said, like a, a diet that is skewed towards maybe too high in saturated fat and particularly trans fats because i think they get chunked together trans fats and saturated fats and trans fats are really the ones that we need to be super mindful of um but you know having dieted numerous times and lost a substantial amount of body fat um and i mentioned last week like the carbohydrate to fat ratio in a lot of successful like physique athletes tends to be higher on the carbohydrates and lower on the fat side but we're still trying to reach that kind of fat threshold because there is certain qualities in nutritional fat that it brings from a a health perspective such as like immune function um you know and all of that sort of stuff um so yeah for me i think looking at nutritional fat um i think it's an easy way to help regulate calories, but we don't want to completely cut it out of our diet.
1: No, totally. But I think, again, when we look at fats, because we are looking on the over, overall diet, a lot of people are getting far too much saturated fat because they're having it from processed foods. You know, if they were having a more natural diet than having it from your dairy and from animal process you know um etc isn't going to be too much of an issue but what tends to happen it's it's the amount of processed food the chocolate the biscuits the crisps you know the baked goods that are all really really high in it and that's comes with high calories and it also comes with high fat and that's not the fat that's doing us any good
0: yeah and there's there's evidence to support that just simply maintaining like a healthy body weight and body fat percent is the most healthful thing that we can do. So the composition of your diet is important, but its ability to regulate body weight is often the most important thing because usually it's things start going wrong when people become unhealthy. Mm. So, you know, that they start um, increasing weight and that's where the risk factors are more likely to occur in terms of heart disease diabetes all of this sort of stuff and everybody's pushing blame on a single macronutrient like heart disease and fats that just kind of go together diabetes and carbohydrates but you know i've helped people who are pre-diabetic or even type 2 diabetic and they've had a higher carbohydrate diet but they've been eating in a calorie deficit that they can sustain and all of their blood sugars come back like, you know, better than the previously were just through the fact that they are now healthier. They are eating a more whole food-based diet. They eat more protein, they eat more carbohydrates, but from, like, fruits and vegetables and whole grains and all of that sort of stuff. And they are still having a little bit indulgent food here and there. They're not cutting it out. They're not, like, from one extreme to the other. And that's where usually the, the issue comes is, like, are people got this diet mentality again particularly around nutritional fat they're trying to avoid it for no realistic reason other than like they've heard it's bad or hear you say all of this sort of stuff
1: yeah and i think it's it's a dangerous ground to go isn't it because i think we look at body size and we think because somebody's in a bigger body they might necessarily have had a you know a poorer diet um and have eaten more fat and calories Um, but actually you know the case for especially for fatty liver disease they reckon in america now one in three people suffer and not everybody is overweight you can still suffer with this condition even though you may not appear so from the outside and i think that's where we can we can judge too quickly as we look at a body shape and we assume their health status from that and actually we don't know what's going on inside And actually, I think with fatty liver disease, it can be quite a long time before people actually will have any symptoms. So you can live with it for years and years, but the damage is going on in the inside. So, you know, I guess it's always being open-minded about how people look and what their diets might actually be made from.
2: Yeah, that's a a really good point because it, it really does come down to where that fat is stored. Maybe we can talk a little bit about some of, of that, because I know we're talking about dietary fat, but there's dietary fat and then fat on the body. And, and so uh, that's one of yeah, what you were talking about there, Sarah, kind of brought to mind something. I haven't read it uh, in detail yet, but I guess Roy Taylor has a, um, has a new study out and and where they basically... I don't like the conclusions that the headlines have, because they're basically saying your waist size should be. Hey, Jax, stop barking. I'm, t- I'm trying to make a point here. All right. <laughs> anyway, before we were rudely interrupted by my dog. Um, yeah, so he, he basically the conclusion that that's being pushed in the headlines is um, your, your waist size should be the same as it was when you were 21, and that's, um, you know, that's, I, there's a lot of problems with that mentality. But in any case, the the main point was that he was finding that each individual is is very different. And the amount of of fat that you have on your body is going to be very different as, as far as how much is healthy. So one person may be able to have a larger waist size, and not have as much of that ectopic or that liver fat or the the, the visceral fat that's that's around the organs that causes that problem that you're talking about. Whereas somebody else can have a smaller body and they may, they may be significantly smaller and actually have a higher level of that visceral fat because of the way that their, their body stores fat. And so it's not really a one size fits all thing from, from individual to individual. It's very, uh, very personal as far as the amount of fat that your body seems to store or carry and remain healthy. So, kind of coming back to that point you're making, that's that's one w- reason why you can't just look at the size of a person's body and say, oh, they're a healthy size and they're an unhealthy size.
1: So that study you just mentioned is, I think that must have been the one that kind of hit the press over here, where they were basically mm-hmm. saying you had to, you should be able to fit into a size pair of jeans that you wore when you were 21. And yeah you know, that doesn't take in so much into account, does it? You know, what about yeah. women that have had children? What about guys that train or exercise? You know, what about someone that is a skinny 21 year old, but then goes to the gym busts up a little bit, you never get your thighs into a pair, of, you know, something that you wore when you were a skinny 21 year old. That's just really silly.
2: <laughs> make yeah, sense. I, yeah, I really didn't like that conclusion. And so if you've read that article, I, I mean, yeah, it's a it's obviously it's a clickbaity type of a headline but yeah i really didn't like the way they, the conclusion was i mean i understand they're trying to put it into simpler terms as far as the implications but yeah i, I really didn't like that because um that gives for one that put that just continues to perpetuate this mindset that everybody should be uh you know down to what they were when they were in college or high school and that's just not realistic um, and it's very unhealthy from a mental, mental aspect, even if physiologically, technically, maybe it's valid again. I don't know that it would be, but, um, basically saying, Hey, each person's a little different. And that, that, that if you've always been lean, relatively lean and relatively smaller, and then that typically means that your body, um, naturally likes to be at that size just like if you were always on the upper end since you were born your body probably can tolerate a higher amount of body fat and still remain healthy and so it's kind of important that's one of the things that we look at with kids you know the growth charts and stuff when parents are concerned hey i think my kid is gaining too much weight and that kind of thing we look at the growth chart and say well is it Has it been consistent or not? And um, if it's consistently higher or lower, even below the average, then that may just be what's right for them. So I guess we're kind of getting off on a tangent there. but.
1: And unless you're under 30, I mean, who's still got their genes from when they're 21? I haven't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I did a few years ago. but
0: (laughs) I've I've still got me genetics in some sort of way, but um, genes, no. Because they were... They would have been boot cut and probably Yay. like a bit flary, you know. So they, yeah. they may not have kept up with the, the fashionable
2: times. Um yeah, my wife made me get rid of my acid wash jeans. So yeah. That was that was probably probably a good a good decision.
0: Yeah, but it, yeah, like in it's just funny because I, I guess these people are just saying, Listen, this is very much the ideal, but as we well know, we don't live in an ideal world and we don't want people to be put off trying to improve their health a little bit because a lot of people who watch or listen or invested in this type of stuff are going to be trying to improve from where they're at and as we talk about in the the health episodes just simply trying to improve your health in some sort of way um, is going to be beneficial and um, discussing the nuances in nutrition including nutritional fat And, you know, it's going to help give people a bit more objectivity to what is truly healthy. And as we know, trying to get too healthy is unhealthy. So trying to be perfect, trying to cut out, you know, fat, carbohydrates, protein, over exercise, like not socialize. Anything like that isn't really going to uh, pay off very well in the long run. But, yeah, I mean, nutritional fat, we'll we'll get back to that. Um, as Sarah said, um, and as you guys were saying, like you can't judge a book by its cover, basically, and people might not, um, they might be lean, they might have very low percentage of body fat, but doesn't necessarily mean they're healthy. And Sarah touched on it, like the the vitamins and minerals that are necessary to be absorbed alongside um a f- fat within a diet, which is A, D, E, and K, if I'm right. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if we're cutting out fat, we're not just Losing out on a on some energy that comes alongside of that, but the ability to absorb certain micronutrients, which is going to have a, a knock on effect from a, a health and
2: immunity perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what do you guys do as far as how do you help um, clients get the uh, get at least an adequate amount of fat? Do you find that people that that's hard for some people, or do you find that most people tend to to get enough fat in their diet? And if, uh, you know, wh- how do you recommend that? Because protein, we obviously have that, uh, kind of what research has shown and, and we have a grams per kilogram of body mass kind of recommendations that we can give, but we don't really have that necessarily with fat. So how do you guys go about that?
0: So like, I, I prefer to habitually look at it. Like, you know, if, if, I, if I'm honest, I would like to see it in, two or three meals out of the day but sometimes even myself I'll just have a meal where I kind of bulk it in as a wanna you know so I know fine well it's taken care of um Mm. you know so that might just be something like whole eggs maybe some oily fish maybe some and that'll be where I predominantly get like all of those quote-unquote good fats from because I think it's just typical that people neglect like mono and polyunsaturated fats. Like there's a lot of emphasis. any fats that they are ingesting, seemingly a trace fat or a byproduct of, you know, the meat or dairy or like processed food that they consume. And so I do like to have like a designated meal that is like right. This is my good fat meal. If you'd like, I'm definitely getting it in there, whether it's some nuts. Well, as i said whole eggs oily fish in particular um you know which is largely under consumed um but yeah that's how i go about it but it just again it just depends on the person but if i'm noticing glaringly obviously that they are missing nutritional fat i just tend to like be like right can we get one meal that takes ticks that box
1: yeah i don't find that people struggle with not having enough fat i think it tends to be the sources that they're getting from it from that maybe is the bit needs changing rounds a little bit but you know as ian says if you're having whole eggs if you're having dairy maybe some full fat dairy um i mean like for example like i now started having my either overnight oats or porridge for breakfast and i'll add some um i usually use five percent greek yogurt and then i'm adding some pumpkin seeds and bits like that so you're getting and some chia seeds in it as well. And you're getting your healthy fats that way. And it doesn't add a huge amount of calories to it. Um, well, I think, you know, like you look at people's diets and they're getting it from the chocolate bars or what have you. And, and then you just need to swap it around a bit and make a few tweaks and go, well, okay, how can you get some better quality fats in and reduce some of the other fats? It's, again, it's always about what you can you add in rather than what you can you take out or at least swap rather than just, right, I'm cutting it out, because that's what people tend to do, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I think that's a good point with the adding in, because, um, yeah, that, I'm kind of the same way with both of you, I haven't, I haven't really found many people who are deficient in, in overall fat, it's, typically, it's more, way well, hey, where, where's the fat coming from, and, yeah, adding in, taking an additive approach, you know, when you start se- when you start looking at eating more fiber or more vegetables or leaner cuts of meat or those kinds of things, you naturally end up getting your fat from different sources, you know, cooking with some olive oil here and there and that kind of thing or whatever it is that you, that you do. Um, yeah, when you start adding in those things, it it just automatically shifts where those fats are coming from and you tend to get healthier fats. And so, um, you know, it's often as it is with dieting, we're told, oh, you start, you need to cut this out, you need to cut that out. And uh, no more of this, no more of that. And then it's just, for me, I, I prefer that additive approach mentality. I think it just gives us a a uh, a better mental uh, mental state when we approach it in that way.
0: I think as well, if people are trying to optimize performance and health, we have things like testosterone and uh, yeah. all of these other the hormones that are going to help support like muscle growth. So, you know, if you take out nutritional fat, you know, you, you're going to be lacking in some key nutrients that are supporting those goals. We've got, of course, like uh, performance from endurance athletes as well. And we discussed the kind of the rate in which you synthesize ATP through the given substrate that's available. Oh God, I said a lot of words there. That's a fancy. Oh God, what's going on? You know, so like (laughs) we know carbohydrates are more anaerobic. So without oxygen and and nutritional fat and the turning over of that is going to be more like aerobic based. So like by totally reducing one or the other macronutrient, you're potentially, um, you know, cutting yourself short from a, certainly from a health perspective, but from a performance perspective, but again, it depends what you're doing from an exercise um, place anyway, like largely the majority of what I do is anaerobic um, and arguably using creatine phosphate system as well, you know, because of its explosive nature, but nutritional fat, when I'm not training is predominantly what we're using as a, a kind of fuel source. But we, we spoke a bit about this last, We can kind of what your body's got available to use, um, your body will use for energy. So if you have a higher carb, low fat, predominantly going to use more carbohydrates versus vice versa, a higher fat, low carb. And I guess we spoke a bit about why potentially people see high fat, low carb. And maybe we could talk a little bit about the kind of ketogenic or the high fat, low carb community.
1: I was just going to say, that was going to be my next point. Is like It wouldn't be a a podcast on fat, would it, if we didn't talk about the K word. (laughs) I tried it once. I hated it. I'm not going to lie. I tried it for about two weeks because everybody talked about it. You know, everyone was raving about it. And I was like, okay, I kind of need to know what it's like, like in order to have any kind of opinion on it. And... It just like it just to me it was messed up I just sort of you know I found myself going into the supermarket bypassing all this lovely fresh produce and going for cream and going for you know like butter and all these things of high fat because I think if you really really look into it you know you could do higher fat healthier by using the oily fish and this that and the other but a lot of the diets that were put out there weren't done that way. They were all about, you know, have the bacon, I don't like bacon, but have the cheese, you know, have all that stuff. And I was like, but I just want, you know, like a big bowl of fruit or I want carrots with my dinner. And and I just found that it was, I just couldn't, my head didn't compute. I was like, I feel like I'm missing out on so many healthy, nutritious foods. And I'm just, and I didn't enjoy it at all. And you know what, I didn't lose any weight either so
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it, they didn't didn't get mean. benefits in either way from it I, I think <laughs> yeah. as
0: well like I... the, the ketogenic community will have like their usual response is like you didn't do it long enough or you didn't do it right mm. you know that they're the very defensive about it you know I've had people come to me and they're, they're like you're going to hear it Ian and then I'll be like why you know, and these aren't clients, these are just people I know, and they just know that I'm into health and fitness and all of that, and a nutritionist, and like, oh, I've started keto. And partly I want to turn around and say, I literally don't care. Like it has no impact on me. <laughs> but then two weeks later, they're like, Oh, I couldn't stick with it. And it's like, well, yeah, like it it regulates um energy balance. Some people do genuinely feel better on it, but I think it's the Appeal of eating bacon and eggs at every meal and all of that sort of stuff. And it's exciting. And I think a lot of people want to be excited about their diet. Um, so when like there's us coming along talking about the middle ground, it's a bit like, oh, that isn't exciting. There's nothing special or you know, shiny about that. And then you hear some person going, listen, you eat this diet, you'll burn fat like no tomorrow. And all of this, the insulin, and it's like they're just kind of trying to like bamboozle people and give it this um, give this illusion that they're more intelligent than them. And I myself tried a high fat, low carb; it wasn't keto, but like yeah, I just didn't like it. I didn't make us feel good and performance started a tank in the gym.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing. I know two people that success. Well, I'm going to say successfully, but actually, I don't know if that's a bit of a contradiction because. They did a keto diet successfully for a couple of years, which is a long time to eat that way but um, both of them were female, both of them found that their hormones were out of whack towards the end um, One of them was trying to compete or well not compete, but be um, improve on um like her big lifts and she just didn't have she just couldn't do it she just didn't have the energy she didn't have the power um and she's had to add carbs back in but on the social side of it have you ever tried eating out with someone that eats keto it is really hard um she came to my wedding of which I had an afternoon tea so could have been, couldn't have been much more high-fat, I guess. You know, cakes, scones, sandwiches, all that sort of thing. She didn't eat one thing there. I mean, you know, just from a mental health perspective, going to somebody's wedding function, whatever it may be, bringing your own coffee and not touching a single morsel of food there, That that's not normal. I'm sorry, but it's not normal. If you're listening to this friend, I'm sorry, but it's not normal. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's one of the things that people don't factor into it is, is that, that social aspect and, and your food preferences. I mean, most people like carbs and there's a lot of sources of carbs that are very nutritious, whole grains, legumes, um, potatoes, fruit, all of those things. And those are, those are things that you have to really minimize, um, or almost completely exclude on, on keto. Uh, in order to remain in ketosis because that that state requires a very low carb intake and so you can't just you also can't just go off keto for the weekend that's one of the things that that I hear people say is oh I'm keto during the week and then on the weekend I eat carbs and I'm like that's that you're you're completely
1: the- you're making it
2: really bad you do one or the other but don't don't play the middle ground because you're just going to feel like garbage mm. um because your body is never going to adapt uh, in the way and you're always just going to be providing it with too little uh, carbohydrate and, uh, it, and
1: so it was never put about was it as a as a mainstream form of eating it was a clinical way of eating for it you know, juveniles with um epilepsy wasn't it i believe um, because of the way the brain works and everything mm-hmm. that's a completely different thing from joe blogs on the street cutting out practically every joy in life you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: I'm- it comes down to i mean some people do some people are fine cutting out most of the carbs from their diet but but i find that the majority of people don't and and i also you also find that people and this is a, a telltale sign that a diet is is really not a, a A very good diet, and that is that when people follow it for a period of time, and then they just can't stick to it, and they go off, and they keep talking about, "Yeah, I lost so much weight when I was on keto. I need to get back on on the wagon," and and almost like it's just this this uh, this drudge, this thing that they just, ugh, I've got to do it, but I know, uh, you know, I know I'm supposed to, and so I guess I'll go ahead and do it again because it quote worked before. And that kind of thing, and and anytime I hear that mentality around eating, um, it just it sends up red flags. Because I mean, we should enjoy our eating, and especially like you were saying in those social situations, it's such a big part of it. literally every social situation, whether whether it's a business related one, personal related one, celebrations, holidays. I mean, they all all of those things you should be able to enjoy them, and you can't if you can't eat the food there.
0: This is one of the the hard things with helping people with weight management, you very quickly realize that this isn't necessarily just a a, a food issue. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very much like a psychological and often an emotional issue. And like when they are, it doesn't matter whether it's keto or tracking calories or, you know, being good. It's the language they use. It's the headspace that they've gotten themselves in through potential years of Dieting like decades, and you know they might come to us in regards to helping them. And you know we are having a more balanced approach, but that allows them to be more consistent, more flexible. And if there's genuine people out there who are, for example, keto, vegan, vegetarian, whatever, and they just are that they don't identify as that. That's just an eating style that they have, and they just crack on with it. You know. I, like people tend to, when they are vegan or vegetarian or, um you know, keto or do CrossFit or bodybuilding or whatever, they sit in a camp and then they're just saying, Oh no, I'm i I'm, I'm vegetarian or whatever. And, and they're just hoping that sitting, they sit and the one people to acknowledge it. um And it's almost like the, um be seen. Um and it's mm. just like these are my
1: pumps, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And I just think like crack on. If that's what you want to do, if you genuinely wanted to do that and that was who you were, you don't have to sing from the hilltop. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not who you are. Like your diet isn't who you are. It's just something that you have that you should enjoy. And if you enjoy it, crack the hell on. So if people are at your wedding and they don't eat a particular way, if they were glu, if they were celiac and they couldn't eat gluten, you know, you you genuinely like, oh yeah. So I don't know if it's like whether you've got to respect somebody's dietary needs or choices, um. But it all stems from the psychology that they're bringing into that. Um, I I would say is important.
1: Yeah, no, that is a good point. Because I mean, some pe- there, are, there will be some people that genuinely love eating that way and don't miss carbs or what have you. And if they can function well, they've got good health and they enjoy it, then it's not any of our business what they do. They can do what the hell they like. But I don't think that they are the commonplace. Like you say, they have to shout about it. And if you've got to wave a banner, then that says a lot really, doesn't it? um and it's the same with all it's not just keto like you say it's a lot of them and you know that is your personal choice you don't need to ram that down other people's throats and I think that's where it tends to get argumentative especially on social media because like you say people don't just quietly get on with it it's like a you know it's the new shiny thing and and because of that you know that they're not going to keep it up long term and good luck to you that do you know if you're listening to this and you love keto and you enjoy it and you're healthy then good on you you know you're a better person than me because I couldn't do it (laughs) I wouldn't want to do it but um I suppose one thing on that point though is is that I think this will come up in another um podcast we're about to record soon actually is the fiber aspect and if you are eating a super high fat diet that will come at the cost of fiber and we all know how good fiber is for us so that is a point I guess just to note
0: good health yeah yeah you know and that's an upcoming field that if anybody claims to be an expert on even the experts claim that it's it's not it's (laughs) such a complicated field of research um but like I guess it's so um marketable now isn't it but like you know good health is is obviously important and yeah removing not you don't just remove carbohydrates you remove all of the things that are within carbohydrates including Mm. fiber
1: yeah
2: yeah so that is that is an important thing you know if, if somebody is listening that's doing keto and they are kind of set on doing that Um, make sure you're getting those fibrous vegetables, which we'll be talking about in the fiber episode, but, um, you know, you can, you, you, those don't have as much in the way of the carbs that interfere with, with keto. And so, um, you know, when you hear people that are eating kind of what I would say is a healthy keto, if if, as healthy as possible, it's, they have a lot of those fibrous vegetables in there at least. So, um,
0: Yeah, I guess for me, like if we're we're looking to kind of wrap up, is there any kind of sort of main points you'd probably like to um, give people to go away with in terms of fats, choices, amounts, you know, how to get it in? I know I touched on it a little bit of focusing maybe on one or two meals to take care of that. But how about you, Jeff? I know with the intuitive eating, I'm interested in yours.
2: Yeah, um, I would, I would say, you know, with intuitive eating, you typically will base it more on how certain amounts make you feel. So if higher fat, if you tend to feel better, then, as you guys say, crack on. Um, If you, if higher fat upsets your stomach and, and a particular food gives you heartburn, then that's the reason that you avoid it. You don't avoid it because it's quote unquote unhealthy. Uh, And so our bodies tend to prefer the foods that happen to be healthier. I mean, it just, I think all of us can attest the fact that when we eat more whole foods, less processed foods that we often feel a little better. And so in, in, from that perspective, you, you base it more on, on feel. And when you do that, you're going to end up eating um, a good mix of things. And one of the things that I, I often Uh, address with people and then especially with kids because there's different things that you can do there but but the importance of fat is that it also is important in satiety so in sustaining us from meal to meal and helping us to eat the amount of food that's appropriate for our our particular body and so you know you can take a restrictive mindset you can take a tracking approach and use those things to to kind of keep you within a, a certain amount of food or you can base it more on on hunger and satiety and when you do that if you're eating fat at, uh, i always encourage people to eat fat at every meal um, some kind of fat source because it does have that sustaining effect in that sustains us in a different way than carbs does and we know protein does also and so i just i encourage people to eat protein fat and carbs at every meal and from that, that satiety perspective, because it it helps prevent grazing. Um, you know, we know too, that when you eat dietary fat, it slows down gastric emptying, meaning it's going to keep that food in your stomach longer. So you're going to feel fuller a little bit longer and all kinds of things like that. So approaching it from that perspective is kind of how I, I tend to use it. Um, when coaching people like in an intuitive eating, um, Framework, or or with child nutrition. So,
1: yeah, I I would just go, you know, boring as it sounds. Middle ground. Just don't be extreme. Mm-hmm. Don't cut it out completely. Don't go super super high. Watch your sources. Try to aim for the, you know, in inverted commas good fats. You want, you know, the healthy, the sat the oily fish, the nuts, the seeds. Um, olive oil, you know, the Mediterranean diet always comes out on top. Not that there yeah. is an actual definition of the Mediterranean diet, but on the whole, you know, their diet is probably quite high in fat, but it is the good fat. It's not the it's not the junk food fat. It's not the processed fat. So I would just go go down the middle. Do not try to be extreme. Yeah,
0: and, and working with people, we tend to be like experimental with our. Practices. So it could be like, hey, have a breakfast. Um, you know, maybe one day have high protein, high fat. Maybe the next day have high protein, high carb, maybe the next day have like a, a splice of the three and just kind of maybe see what you feel like at lunch. And mm-hmm. if like it gets to lunchtime, and you know, like me, I'm quite, I don't know whether it's it's half decent metabolic flexibility and utilising both sources, but I can have a high-fat, low-carb, high-protein meal, and it will satiate me as well as a high-carb, low-fat meal. You know, I just, I don't pick, I don't get, the only time that I'm hungry is if, like, I have truly, like, way under eight, like, on a particular meal, but I can manage hunger quite well. I'm just like, yeah, I'm hungry, that's fine. Trust me, I've (laughs) learned to manage hunger. <laughs> um, given my history. So you just kind of like I think you need to be a bit experimentative with it. Um, you know, and I think a podcast could be on its own regarding like fish oils or just supplements and key supplements, yeah. but eating oily fish a couple of times a, a week isn't gonna hurt you. Um, but considering supplementing with some sort of EPA DHA, um, whether that's from fish oils or algae oils, if you are. Um you know, if you've been watching Seaspiracy on Netflix, another great one. <laughs> that's a joke by the way <laughs> but, you know you just so you're saying don't watch that. Well, yeah, don't watch that because like you'll just never eat fish again apparently I, I, but I mean that's probably again another podcast just you know, um mainstream media um and all yeah. of this sort of stuff and I guess this is from where these conversations stem from regarding nutritional fat but, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I think we can wrap it up there. So if you have enjoyed the podcast, uh, make sure you leave a review, uh, subscribe, share it around with your friends and family. It means a lot. Uh, take a screenshot and tag us in your stories. Uh, you know, you can find us all on Instagram. Join the Facebook group, The Habit Shift, um, and find us on Instagram. And yeah, other than that, thank you for listening. And thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Sarah. And we'll speak to you next time.
1: Thank you. Bye.